Father God in heaven, thank you that life begins with you. Lord, it begins with you, it stays with you, it ends with you. You are our life, Lord Jesus. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. Lord, help us to walk in your light, to walk in your truth, Lord. Challenge us and transform us this morning by your word. Your word, according to Hebrews 4.12, is living and active and is sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates our souls. Do that work this morning, Holy Spirit. Spirit of the Lord, we ask you and invite you now to come do heart surgery on us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We walk in the victory. We have the victory because Jesus is the victory. Amen. So turning your Bibles this morning to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. And the, the, my subject of my teaching this morning from our verse-by-verse study, because, you know, Calvary Chapel, we go chapter-by-chapter, verse-by-verse through the Bible. We don't skip anything. But we're looking at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. And I think the thesis of what the apostle is saying in this passage is endurance. So let me turn there myself. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. Let's take a look and see what the scripture says. Let's read it together this morning. Or y'all listen to me read it. Uh, chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen so that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it the eternal glory. And I love this, verse 11 through 13. Verse 11 through 13 in the original language is one continuous sentence. But in our English translations, they made it into three sentences. It says in verse 11, For it is a trustworthy statement, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless... He remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And I couldn't help but to think as I was studying this week of what Paul, I, I, I try to go back. As I'm studying the scriptures, I'm studying the word of God and preparing for my message, I want to go back to what was taking place when the scripture was written to get the full impact. And I see in this passage as Paul is in his second imprisonment facing imminent death, He's talking about endurance. So that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is endurance. Let's start with a good working definition of the word endurance. Endurance is the power to withstand something that's very challenging, uh, to keep going, to, to press through, to, to finish strong. Because, you know, sometimes life throws us curveballs. Sometimes we face difficult situations. Sometimes life's not always easy. Sometimes life's difficult, and it's surely difficult for the Apostle Paul where he's at right now. So he's talking about endurance. Now, there, there's the outline of my, of my teaching this morning up on the screen, endurance. And I want to talk to you this morning about, one, the strength to endure, and I pulled that from verses 8 and 9. Then I want to talk about the reason to endure, verse 10. And then I want to talk about the, um, the inspiration 
to endure. I want to give you inspiration to endure. Because I believe when we look at verses 11 through 13, that this is what was, was resonating in Paul's heart and the Holy Spirit was showing him. This was giving him, you know what? Paul's like, I'm going to finish strong. Because this is, 2 Timothy is the last New Testament letter written by the Apostle Paul. He's in his second imprisonment and at Rome waiting to face Nero. And the next thing after this letter is his death. He will, he, he will lose his head for the gospel. So let's take a look at it this morning. Let's look at item number one. Item number one is our strength to endure. Please draw your attention to verses 8 and 9. Let's look at it together. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal. And as I said in my opening remarks, we need to understand that the apostle Paul, when he wrote this, he's facing, in, he's facing a very difficult time. He's, he's suffering hardship. He says there in verse 9, he's in prison. Paul is in prison. This is his most difficult hour. He's, he's, he's in chains. He's in shackles, shackled to a wall. And at any moment, that door could open and that guard could come in and say, Paul the apostle, Paul of Tarsus, it's your time. Come with us. He's facing death. He's, 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 he knows he's going to be beheaded. He's in this place that's still in existence today. It's called the Maritime Prison. It's 2.2 miles from the current Vatican. It's still there today. You can still go to this ancient prison and see the conditions that Paul was in. And it's very rough. It's very challenging. He's not living his best life now. So where does Paul get his strength to endure? Look at verse 8. <clears throat> I love this. We could break it down and talk about it all day long. First he says, remember Jesus Christ. That's what, look at verse 8, the first three words. Remember Jesus Christ. That means put Christ on the forefront of your mind, Paul. He's talking to Timothy. Put Christ on the forefront of your mind. As you're going through this difficult situation, think about Jesus Think about the cross. Think about his resurrection from the dead. Think about the great and mighty and magnificent thing that Christ has done for you. Put it on the forefront of your mind. And then he says in verse 8, risen from the dead, the resurrection of Jesus. The icon, the, the pinnacle of Christian truth is Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And Paul is remembering this. He's, he's remembering this in his difficult hour because in your difficult hour, you can be tempted to go the other way. You can be tempted to turn. You can be tempted to fall away. But he's remembering the great truth that Jesus is risen from the dead, that he is the resurrection and life. And, and he has eternal life through Christ Jesus. That, that statement, risen from the dead, uh, you could break down verse 8 where he said, risen from the dead. That speaks of Christ's deity because Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is God. He is creator. So he says, remember that. Keep this on the forefront of your mind, Timothy, as you're facing that difficult uh, challenge of pastoring because Timothy, he's writing to, is the uh, new 
young pastor at the church of Ephesus. But you see throughout this passage, Paul's mixing in language of what he's experiencing there. And then the second thing, he says, descendant of David. This speaks of the humanity of Christ. Jesus Christ was 100% God, 100% man. Theologians call it the hypostatic union. But remember that God came in the flesh. God came in the flesh. When you go through that, your difficult time, when you're in that difficult situation as Paul is, remember the Lord came in the flesh to demonstrate and show his love for you, his grace towards you, his kindness, his mercy. We see his grace, we see his mercy displayed in the, in the life he lived. Then he says, according to my gospel, and we always know that it's the gospel according to the New Testament, according to the Bible. You know, where do we, my, the question I have to I ask myself, and I ask you this morning, I ask us today is, where do we find our strength to endure? Where do we find our strength to endure when times get tough? Where do we go? Some of us go to social media. And we, and we, and we go to social media and, and, and are difficult. And, and we, we vent and we post and we say things we shouldn't say. Some of us go to drugs. Some of us go to alcohol. Some of us go to gossip. We all go in different directions when we face these difficult times. But what is the scripture saying to us? In that difficult time, remember Jesus. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love, I can't, I can't, I, I didn't read the end of verse 9. Let's look at the end of verse 9. But Paul, he's in, his, he's, he's in shackles, he's in prison, and at the end of verse 9 he says, I love this statement, but the word of God is not in prison. Paul's like, you can shackle me, you can chain me to these walls, and you can, you can stop me from going out and spreading the gospel, but you will not stop the Bible. You will not stop the word of God. They, they thought they could stop Paul, you know, but they, will, they, but they cannot. People, man, cannot stop the forward movement of the word of God in Christianity. It spreads because it's the truth. The Bible for centuries has been mocked, it's been burned, it's been banned, it's been rejected, but guess what? It ain't going away. It ain't going away because we're not in control of it. God is. God and his word is. He hold, that book in your hand, the Bible, he says he holds it above his own name. That's how faithful God is, and that's how, how, how the, 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 it's, it's like an unstoppable train. We can get on the train or get off the train, but the train is moving forward. And that's God's word. Now, let's, let's look at Isaiah 40, Isaiah 40, verse 8. And, and this is an Old Testament reference to what Paul is talking about here. It says, for the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. He says it three times in, um, in, three, of, in three of the four gospels. In other words, the universe will crumble. The, the, the heavens and earth will fall apart before the word of God does. That's how sure scripture is. And that's a firm foundation for each and every one of us this morning. Is your Bible and, and, and building your life upon the scriptures. Now I'm going to tell you what we can do that, that, will, that, will, that will make the Bible ineffective. What, what, what will make the Bible ineffective is, is, is this, is we can ignore it. You know, we can ignore it. You know, it, it's, it's, um, it can be ignored 
and there be no fruit of it if it's left out of the pulpit, if it's not taught from, if, if, if it's not taught in the church, if it's not taught from the pulpit, if it's not taught in the Sunday schools. It, it can be ignored. It can be in our homes. It can be covered over in dust. It can be covered over in dust and, and never read. And in those type situations, you know, it, it produces very little fruit. In other words, what I'm saying, guys, is, is we can be unfaithful. We can be unfaithful as Christians to, to the word. But when the word of God is open, as Charles Spurgeon said, he said it's, it's like, a, like a lion in a cage. You just open it up and let it out, and it does its work. But that's our strength to endure, guys. Our strength to endure is found in verse 8 and 9. And our strength to endure in your difficult situation that you're facing, whether it's a big one or a little one, is remember Jesus Christ. Remember him risen from the dead, from a, a descendant of David. That's what's given Paul the strength to en endure in, in this Roman imprisonment. And that's what gives you and I the strength to endure. Amen? Let's look at number two. Number two comes from verse 10, and I call it a reason to endure. A reason to endure. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they may also, so they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. Now, you got to understand this. If you don't know a whole lot about Acts and Paul, he endured a lot. The apostle Paul endured a lot. He lays it out in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, but in there he talks about um, Paul was beaten with rods. He was unlawfully jailed. He was shipwrecked. He was sleepless. He was hungry. He was without food. He was hated for no reason by, by the religious folks, by the Pharisees, by the Gentiles. He endured a lot. And what you need to understand is this. Paul, as God calls you and I to do the same thing, Paul abandoned everything for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul gave up everything. There was nothing more important in Paul's life than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul gave up his religion. He gave up his traditions. He gave up his heritage because he had found eternal life. He had found the one who says, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. So Paul is in this dungeon. He's in this cell, but he has this overwhelming passion inside of him that gave him a reason to endure. I still, I, I'm, I'm going to go back to the verse to talk about reasons to endure, but I want to talk a, a little more about Paul's passion. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul says this, More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish that I may gain Christ. Do you see it? Do you hear it? Do you see what's most important to him? He says, I count them all but rubbish. That word rubbish in the original language, the Greek word, is skybalon. And that word means animal dung. Not, not to be an insult to anything, but he, what Paul is saying, his love for Christ is far above anything. Nothing compared 
with his, his love for Jesus. Paul kept, kept, Paul kept his afflictions and his difficulties in perspective. And I believe he's doing that now as he's in this Roman prison. Listen to what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. He said, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that, which are unseen. For the things that, that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. He had an eternal perspective, even in this final hour in his, in his prison cell. And he's talking about this eternal, in, in, in verses 17, 18 up on the screen, he's talking about this eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. When I see that word glory in the Bible, it always draws my attention. I always want to study it. What is the glory? What is the glory of God? What does that word mean? People talk about the glory. What does it mean? I went and looked up in Vine's expository dictionary. And, and the glory means God's manifestation into the world and in our lives. This, his, his supernatural presence and manifestation in the world of him working. That was one of the definitions. The second definition was Jesus Christ. Jesus is the glory of God. And what Paul is experiencing in this prison is the glory of God. He's experiencing God in his life. He's experiencing the power of the Lord Jesus Christ in his life. And it's given him the ability to, to endure this difficult situation. The, the glory and weight of, Christ, of who Christ is in our life will outweigh all other things. And that was his reason to endure, number two, verse 10. That was his reason to endure. He says, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. What was Paul's reason to endure, number two, according to verse 10? His, it was to take the gospel to the ends of the earth so that people could get saved and so that people could experience that same joy, that same peace, that same freedom that Paul is experiencing in this dungeon. That's what he's there, and that was his goal. He wanted to, Paul wanted to show the world the power of the gospel. He wanted to show them, yeah, you see my situation I'm in, I'm in chains, but God is enough. But Jesus is enough. And not only is he enough, he's overwhelmingly enough. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the glory of God and, and him experiencing the glory. That, that Jesus is more than enough in whatever, in the situation he's facing. Our first prayer, my friends, our first prayer that me and you should pray when we're going through a difficult situation and a difficult trial, your, our first prayer should be, Lord, how can people see you in me in this situation I'm in? You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of not praying that prayer. I'm guilty of the first thing when that trial and that situation hits is, how do I get out of this? How do, how do I find a way of escape? How do I avoid this suffering? How do I avoid this hardship? And that's legit, because that's where our minds naturally go. That's where my mind naturally goes, is how do I get myself out of this, this difficult trial? 
How, how do I find a, a way of escape? Not to say that we shouldn't look for our relief, but our first prayer to the Lord when we go through a difficult trial, a difficult situation is, Lord, let people see you in me in the middle of this situation. That's how we glorify the Lord. This is um, why we as Christians endure. This is, our, this is our reason to endure from verse 10 is, 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 is so that others will see Christ. So that others will see Christ in us. So that others will see Christ for themselves. So when they look at us and they see us going through this difficult trial, this difficult situation, wow, if Jesus is able to handle that, he's a big God. He's a big God. And hopefully that our testimony of us enduring through that difficult time will make others say, wow, I got to check out this Jesus. Can you tell me more about him? And then we get to tell him how great, how great and how mighty our God is. So there's the first two from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 through 13. Paul's in the prison. First, he gives us the, our strength to endure in verses 8 and 9. And then our reason to endure. Our reason to endure, if you're taking notes, is to take the gospel forward, to share the gospel with other people and to show Christ in us. Not that they can look at us and say, wow, look at you. But so they can say, wow, look at Christ. So let's talk about the final one this morning. The final one in our verse-by-verse study of 2 Timothy. And the final one is called an inspiration. An an inspiration to endure. I I mentioned this earlier in the opening of my sermon, but in um, verses 11 through 13 is one continuous sentence in the original Greek. Many people believe that verses 11 through 13 was a, a hymn of the early church that brought great strength in times of difficulty, in times of persecution, uh, in, in, in times where the church, the believers didn't know if they were going to make it or not. It was said that this was an early hymn by the early, by the early church fathers. So Paul needs inspiration. He needs vision. Paul knew, as I said a while ago, Paul knew as he's in this prison, death is imminent. You know, he could probably hear prisoners being put to death. He could hear the shackles throughout the maritime prison. And he knew that any moment his number was coming. In 2 in Timothy, the same book, in chapter 4, verse 6, he says these words. He says, the time of my departure is at hand. And I'm going to go home to be with my Lord. So let's take a look at it. Verse 11. Inspiration to endure. Verse 11, he says, For it is a trustworthy statement. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. I can't, you know, I'm a word guy. I like to study it. I like to study these phrases. But even in that opening, verse 11, he uses this phrase five times in the pastoral epistles. The pastoral epistles are 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. And he uses this phrase five times. You can go look it up on Bible Gateway. But when he says it's a trustworthy statement, he's like, man, please take this statement to heart. This is a very firm statement. This is a statement. These are statements that you can build your life on, okay? This is where you can hang your hat at night and sleep in peace because these statements are true. And the first one there is in verse 11, for if we died with him, we will what? We will live with him. My friend, the moment you trusted in Christ, 
the moment you put your faith in Jesus, a funeral took place. Did you know that? A, a funeral take place. There, there's, there's this dichotomy in the scriptures. There's this paradigm, excuse me, in the scriptures of, of life and death in the life of a believer. But when a person comes to Christ and they receive him as their Lord and Savior, the old you passes away. We see this beautiful picture in baptism. As the old man goes down and the new man comes up. The old David, he passed away in 1992. With all, he, I, I was a sin-loving, uh, wretched sinner. Let's stop right there. But I, 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 I loved my sin. I loved the way I was living. But when I came to Christ, that old David who loved those ways of life, he passed away. There was a funeral that took place. And the old David was laid to rest. But when you come to Christ, there is this new life. There's this new life that emerges from within us. And that new life comes from the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. And that's what he's talking about. This new life that comes up from within us. But going back to the funeral, the funeral analogy of the old you dying and the new you coming to life. The beautiful picture of that is in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Galatians 2, 20 says, For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I imagine Paul's in that prison cell and those guards are going to come in and I can imagine Paul just saying, you can't kill me because I'm already dead. I, 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 the, the Paul, Saul of Tarsus died a long time ago on the Damascus Road. And you guards, whether you put me to death or not, to live as Christ and to die is gain. But there, there's, there's this new birth that takes place and the old life is, is, is washed away and the new life is given to us. And, and the promise there in verse 11, it says, if we died with him, if you died to the old life and you're in this new life with Christ, the promise according to verse 11, at the end of verse 11, look at it, it says, we will live with him. We will live with him. You know, and I think there's, I see two pictures in that live with him phrase. Not only will you live with him in eternity in a place called heaven, the new Jerusalem, the third heaven, that's talked about in Revelation chapter 20 and John chapter 14. You'll get to experience this eternal life. But I believe that is a picture of the here and now too. You get to live with him because guess what? He is with you now. He is with you now by the Holy Spirit. He is tabernacling. He is dwelling within your heart by his spirit. And you are living with him now. And it will carry on into eternity when you lead this life. And you go to be with him. This is what gave Paul inspiration. This is what, you know, when he's dirty, he stinks, he hasn't, he hasn't showered. I, I did some study on this maritime prison. Uh, likely food was lowered in buckets. They would were, they were likely lower, uh, through this hole in the prison, they would lower this bucket, and in, in buckets would be containers of food. Then they would lower another bucket for you to use the bathroom, number one and number two. 
That's how unsanitary and how bad this, this prison was. That's how difficult it was. And it took Paul thinking about this. Verse 11, if we die with him, I'm going to live with him. He's like, it's all good. It's all good. I'm, I'm, I'm going to see my Savior soon because I'm fixing to go to home to be with him because he heard the death rattle, the death chain taking place right outside on a place they call the Geronium Staircase, which was right outside the Maritime Prison. Many famous people from ancient Rome, this is where they were put to death. It was this long staircase, and uh, people would be bound, wrapped, um, and thrown down the staircase, and it would kill them. And two things would be done with their bodies. Either um, they'd be scavenged by the animals, or they'd be thrown in the, the local river there at Rome. But this is what gave Paul to endure was this thought that I'm living with Christ. Christ is living in me. I've got everything I need. I'm going to take as many people as I can with me. Let's look at the second one, this inspiration to endure. Found in verse 12, he says, beginning of verse 12, he says, if we endure, we will also reign with him. As of course you see right here in this verse is where I I latched on to my sermon title and I, and I, I fashioned all my teaching around this but if we endure we will also reign with him what does endure mean endure means stay the course don't be moved keep the faith i love that that's one of my that's one of my phrases that you'll hear pastor david say a lot when i talk to believers man stay the course be encouraged don't be moved to the left or right just stay the course things will get better Things will get better. And you know, I preached that, but guess what? Before I preached it to you, I had to preach it to myself. I had to preach it to myself for the things that I faced. You know, and it just it, it, it came to me in my difficult trials and my difficult situations. And, uh, and I had to have them, you know, talk to yourself moments. And I said, David, stay the course. And I say to you this morning, stay the course through the difficult time. And what's the promise there? The promise there in verse 12, if, if we stay the course, if we endure, it says what? We will reign with him. We will reign with him. I, I, I love this phrase, we will reign with him. It brought my mind to Romans chapter 8. You know, and I said, you know what? What, is that, what does that mean that we will reign with Christ? This is what it means. You will overcome. You are an overcomer. Romans chapter 8 says, you are more than a conqueror. That's what it says. Because of what Christ has done, and because you are following him, and you're living for him, and you're trusting in him, you are more than a conqueror. You will overcome. I don't care what you're facing. I, I don't care what difficulty comes your way. It could be small in your work. It could be something with your family. It could be something in your life. It could be life-threatening but you will overcome because Jesus overcame. I want to read to you this from Romans chapter 8, one of my favorite passages of all the New Testament. Paul is is, is speaking to Christians in Rome that are under uh, intense persecution, under Nero. The Christians are losing their life. They're being put to death. They're being persecuted. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans chapter 8. He says, 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What shall separate us from the love of Christ? With a question mark. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We're already dead. We've already experienced our death because we're living for Christ. He's in us. That's not part of the verse. That was my commentary. He continues in verse 36. For we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, in all those difficulties, he says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any of other created things shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why does he mention everything there? He mentions everything because there's nothing that can separate us. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. When I see this phrase in our passage this morning, uh, we will reign with him, this, this is what it tells me. We will not live in defeat. We will not live in defeat. Despite our sicknesses, despite our sorrows, despite our difficulty, we will walk in victory because we have an eternal perspective that see things in light of the way God sees them and the way God says them. And that truth of having an eternal perspective and having a biblical worldview gives us life. It gives us life. My, my victory... Uh, my walk with the Lord, my ability to overcome, this thought of being more than a conqueror, it has nothing to do with the doctor's report. It has nothing to do with what's happening in my family. It has everything to do with Christ Jesus. And I, I walk in that, and I claim it, and I lay my head on my pillow at night, and I sleep in peace, because that's the truth, that we will reign with him. It says in verse 12, if we endure, we will also reign with him. Let's, let's continue. Half, look at halfway through verse 12. Don't want to miss anything. It says, the next part of verse 12 says, whoa, whoa. He says, if we deny him, he will also deny us. What does deny mean? Deny means to disown, to reject, to throw away. You know, the question I ask a Christian believer that turns away from Christ or that turns away from the Christian faith. My question is simply this. Okay, I, I'm, I'm not a rocket scientist. I, I'm a really simple-minded guy that thinks on earthly level, you know, just a simple-minded guy. And I, my question to ask them when they turn away from the Lord is, why? Why would you turn away from God? Give me one good reason. He loves you. He died for you. He shows you grace. He shows you mercy. He clothes you with compassion. He gives you his Holy Spirit. Man, I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. And ain't nothing pulling me away from the Lord. Because he offers this amazing deal. His... his his greatness and his power. Why would you deny that? Why would you turn away from the Lord? You know, um, 
Now, I understand situations where, um, unfortunately, I try to wrap my mind around it, where people get disillusioned and, get de- and become deceived. And, and to those folks, we simply love them and point them back to the truth and show them grace. Show them, show them grace that God showed us. And hopefully, our hope and our prayers, we show them God's love and God's grace. That those people that have denied the Lord or fallen away from the Lord, that they will turn back to him. And they will acknowledge him. And they will embrace him for all his grace. You know, we don't embrace tradition. We don't embrace religion. We embrace the love of God in Christ Jesus. Our Lord, that's what, that's what we embrace. But the, the scripture still says what it says. It says, if we deny him, he will also deny us. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, he says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in, in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Jesus says, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. If you, if you honor me, I'll honor you. If you disown me, I will dishonor you. So don't, dishon- don't, don't deny him. You know, stand firm in the truth and, and, and boldly say, I am a follower of Christ Jesus. Don't deny him. Because he says right there in the word, he says, Paul says in the scriptures, he will also deny us. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, reemphasize the same thing. Verse 13 Verse 13, there's really, there's four, there was four statements here. And let's look at number, uh, the fourth one. Uh, look at verse 13 in your Bibles. It says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. I love this statement. It's called, uh, I, that's what I like to call empirical truth. You know, I think it's 2 Corinthians 13, 8 says, for nothing can be done against the truth, but only for the truth. God's truth of who he is and his word stands regardless of whether people um, believe it or not. In verse 13, this means whether, whether we have faith in God or we don't have faith in God, God will be utterly true to his word. The truth of the gospel and the truth of the Bible is not dependent on man. You know, some people say, well, the Bible says it, God said it, I believe it, therefore that settles it. It's it's true whether people believe it or not. It stands true. It's a firm foundation. You know, um, Paul makes a similar statement to this in Romans chapter 3, chapter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, where he says, what then, if some do not, did not believe Will their unbelief nullify the faithfulness of God? Will it? He's asking a question. Will their lack of faith make all this null and void? Look at what the verse says. May it never be. May it never be. Uh, let God be true, found true and every man be found a liar. That's the firm foundation that we have with God. That he is that he, is, he, he, he will be faithful to everything he says in his word. Every dot, every diddle. God is faithful. Everything in, in the Christian faith 
is a truth that is unshakable. It's the firm foundation of the Christian. And how many of you, I mean, I'm just, just thinking out loud here, just thinking about Paul in his prison. I could imagine there were probably some prisoners there in the maritime prison. Hey, Paul, if you'll just deny this Christian thing and reject Christ, you'll get to go free. Just tell the guards, no more Jesus. I'm not following him no more. I'm going to be silent. And they'll probably let you go. I, I, I imagine that temptation might have been there, might have been presented. by a, Maybe even a guard came in. Hey, Paul, you know, if you'll, if you'll just deny this Jesus thing and let this thing go, uh, we got, we, we'll let you go. But Paul's like, no way. Because God is true in everything he says. And God is faithful. So there you have it. In this final portion of scripture that we're studying here, verses 11, 12, and 13, that I present to you this morning is our inspiration to endure. Your inspiration to endure when that tragedy strikes, when that difficult time comes, is found in verse 11 where it says, live for him. Live for him. If we died with him, we will live for him. The inspiration to endure from verse 12, you will get to not only live with him, but you get to reign with him. You get to become more than a conqueror, and you get to live in this victorious Christian life. And then halfway through verse 12, our inspiration to endure, bullet number three up on the screen, is is this. God will not deny you if you acknowledge him. If you Stand firm in your faith. Acknowledge him. He, 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 he will not deny those who acknowledge him. And the third one there is uh, found in verse 13. Your inspiration to endure is God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful to the uttermost in his word. That's what took Paul to his imprisonment. At this point in the first century, we know that um, Paul was arrested, Peter was arrested, and this is what made these godly men endure. Church history tells us that uh, they were still doing Roman uh, crucifixions at the time. They had different forms of execution. They, they went to uh, crucify Peter, and at his request, he says, please crucify me upside down because he says, according to church fathers, I'm not worthy to die in the same manner as my Lord. That takes guts. These men face death. And Paul, this is Paul, we're, 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 we're seeing into the mind of the Apostle Paul through the inspired word of God as we're studying this and we're seeing as he's approaching the end what he is facing. And shortly thereafter, church history tells us he will be taken outside of this maritime prison and they'll cut his head off. They'll cut his head off. That's was their inspiration to endure. I want to close this morning. I want to close my teaching this morning. Um, I texted Blake yesterday or day before and I said, hey man, can y'all, can y'all close the worship service with turn your eyes, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Have you ever heard that song? Turn your, it's, a, it's a very famous, well-known song. Yes, amen. Uh, turn your eyes upon Jesus. I want to give you um, the background to that song. I want you to meet Helen Lamel. 
She was born in 1863. She lived in 1961, like into her 90s. Uh, she was born in England to a Methodist minister. She grew up in England most of her life, and she married a wealthy European man. She had a deep love for music. Tragedy struck her life in her middle ages, and she completely lost her vision and went completely uh, blind. Shortly thereafter, because of her blindness, her husband left her and divorced her because of her blindness. Uh, Because of her deep love for music, she went on to write over 500 hymns. And in the year 1912, she wrote this hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And the really cool thing about it is I was looking at this this week, and is she wrote the song in 1912, and this was after she had went blind and after she experienced the separation of her husband and him, him deserting her. She said, turn your eyes upon Jesus. So I don't know where everybody's at this morning, but if you're going through a difficult trial, you know, endure. Endure and turn your eyes to the Lord. Amen? Amen. And we're going to close with this song written by Helen Lamel. So let's pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for our verse-by-verse study. God, um, put this, equip us, Lord. Make this part of our life. Teach us about endurance, Lord. Teach us how to stay the course. And how to, to live for you, God. In the, in the good times, we're going to praise you and we're going to shout hallelujah. And in the bad times, in the difficult times, teach us how to shout hallelujah and to praise you, God. And help us always, Lord, to keep our eyes focused on you. In the good times, Lord, so that when those difficult times come, that we'll look to you. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, Father. Amen.